Well, Pastor Mark here saying thanks for joining me for the Real Men Podcast. Uh, what started as a small ministry with a table of guys has turned into 100 plus thousand every week online. It's incredible. We're overwhelmed, super grateful. And in a world where we can't even define what a man is more than ever, we need to uh, build men up to bless women and children. So that's what we do at uh, Real Men. And uh, we'd love to have you uh, join us for all of the Bible teaching. If you go to realfaith.com, uh, there are decades of sermons, there's daily devotions, uh, there are Q&As, there are articles, and uh, lots of content, especially Bible teaching for men. So thanks for joining me and us for the Real Men podcast, and head over to realfaith.com and get the entire mountain of Bible teaching for free. All right, welcome to Real Men. We start a brand new series, four weeks starting today. We're gonna deal with the Elijah spirit, the Jezebel spirit, and also the Ahab spirit. I'm honored to have you. My name is Pastor Mark, whether you're joining us live or online, this is Real Men. And what we say is we build men up to bless women and children. And uh, I've got a serious word for you. I'm really excited about it, but I feel like this one, we should start in prayer. And so I'm just gonna go ahead and kneel and try and uh, make sure that I do the best I can. Father God, thank you that we're your sons. God, thank you that look, you looked down on the earth and you wanted to adopt some guys to be your sons. And you adopted us. You could have picked anyone, you picked us. And God, we just thank you that you're our father, that we don't belong to the father of lies, that we belong to the father of light and truth and life. Lord Jesus, we thank you that we know exactly what it looks like to be a real man, that our God became a man, perfect man, sinless man, a man who died and rose to save and forgive and also to defeat the demonic and to deliver us from darkness to light. Lord Jesus, we wanna be like you and we wanna be like our Father. So Holy Spirit, we invite you. Fill this time, fill this place, fill these men, fill our lives. I pray against the enemy of servants, their works and effects, and we invite the Holy Spirit to do whatever he would have for us, in us, and through us. And God, as we open your word, I pray that you would open our hearts and minds and that when all is said and done, we'd be more like Jesus. And, and God, we just thank you so much that you've spoken to us through your word. And as we open your word, Father, we pray your sons would open their ears in Jesus' name, amen. amen. All right, first talk is going to be uh, passive men and controlling women, the Ahab and Jezebel spirits today. Let me start with a story to make this very personal and practical, and then we'll get biblical and theological. Uh, this story is based on a true story. It's a compilation of stories, uh, but it's a story I'll tell about two people I'll call Tony and Gina. They met in college. They professed to be believers. They actually met at a college ministry. And uh, pretty quickly, uh, Gina started becoming very aggressive and flirtatious and, uh, and sexual. Now, Tony knew this was wrong, but he also enjoyed it. Um, men like sex. And all the men said, amen. amen. Okay, and so, and the, the problem is not liking sex. It's, it's, it's who you're supposed to have it with. So he crossed some lines and, and he enjoyed uh, the favors that he got. And he thought ultimately, well, she must really be into me because he was... It's not even stupid, welcome to college guys. And so ultimately what he didn't realize was this was manipulation and it was her way of controlling the relationship. Now they can't really talk about spiritual things and he's not really the leader because he has abdicated his authority through his passivity. 
So he enjoys what he's getting and he doesn't understand that now she is leading. Pretty soon, they uh, eventually do get married. They graduate, they take jobs out of state and uh, there's a small church not far away. So she picks the church. Notice she picks the church. She takes her husband to church. He doesn't lead his family, he follows his wife. It's a small church, mainly older people. They get very active very quickly. As a young couple, people are excited to have them, a little fresh energy in life. They start volunteering a lot. They appear to be a very spiritual, very religious, very devout family and couple, but it's mainly her who is the driving spiritual force. Now they're volunteering. They're at the church all the time, putting in lots of hours. And the people in the church think that this is a wonderful young couple. They're very glad to have them. Well, before too long, um, she gets on the worship team. She can sing, so she's up front. Now she has a platform, literally, and she's well-known. Eventually, her husband joins her. He plays an instrument. And on one curious weekend, she announces herself and her husband as the worship pastors. Now, nobody in this church had given them that title, and that wasn't really their role. And the people in the church just assumed, well, they're young. They don't really understand the language. Maybe they misspoke, so they tolerated this. Uh, before long, she started showing up to various meetings at the church. Let's say it was women's ministry or children's ministry or it was small group ministry, and they would have leadership team meetings, and she would show up, but she wasn't part of the team, and she was never invited. She just kind of invited herself made people feel a little awkward. And did you call her? Did you invite her? And, and rather than saying, they just kept tolerating. Well, pretty soon she started disagreeing with some of the preaching. And some of you chuckled because you've met this woman. She's in every church, by the way. And she started by just having questions. I'm not trying to be divisive. I just have some questions. But then pretty soon she was pushing back. You know, I don't really agree with that sermon. I don't think the tone was right. I don't think we should do that series. That's not exactly what I think the Bible says. Well, it reached a point where it started to become a problem. She started having other women over to her house in her controlled environment, by the way. And she would share with them some of her concerns and her frustrations and her disappointments. And of course it was usually all women and how the church was led by men. And, and they, she didn't feel like the women had enough of a voice and she didn't feel like the pastor was really loving the people well enough. And that some of the Bible teaching wasn't accurate. Next thing you know, she's handing out literature and books and other teachers. And next thing you know, they don't really trust the leadership. So they've started their own little Bible study at her house. They're inviting other women from the church. And now these women are starting to echo her and it becomes a problem. Now it's divisive and there's a faction. So the leaders of the church call the uh, husband in. They say, you know, you're the head of the home and this is your wife. And this has officially become a bit of a problem. And we wanna to talk to you about this. And if you believe it's a problem, we want you to go talk to your wife. And uh, the husband was nice. He was compliant. He listened, he apologized. Um, he, he was very considerate, he didn't get defensive, he sort of absorbed it all. And the leaders of the church said, don't go home and tell your wife what we said, but go consider and seek the Lord. And if you think that any of what we're sharing is true and your wife needs to correct some things or get some help, we're just encouraging you as the leader of the family to go say whatever you believe would be in the best interest of your wife in marriage. He went home, what do you think he told his wife? Yeah, I met with the leaders and uh, here's what they said about you. And he gets himself out of the middle. Now it's a head on collision between the wife and the leaders. And he has completely exited his responsibility. 
Well, now she feels very hurt. Now she feels very judged. She feels very unloved. She gets very emotional, lots of tears pretty soon, lots of emails, lots of phone calls, lots of social media posts, lots of drama. Gets very loud, gets very emotional, gets very public because now she's a victim, or at least that's what she says. This continues to where now the church leadership is embroiled in a controversy and a lot of the women are taking sides and people are leaving the church and now her story keeps shifting. All of a sudden she was confronted directly and they cursed at her and they were unloving to her and they threatened her, things that never happened. So they called for a meeting and they said to the husband, could you please bring your wife? We need to sit down and sort this out. It's gotten very public, it's gotten very ugly. He showed up, she didn't show up. He said, where's your wife? He said, she, she won't come. She acts, she's very independent. She's a very independent woman. He said, well, if you can't lead her and she's not gonna get help and she's going to be divisive, maybe the two of you should find another church. Well, now it explodes. It's domineering, overbearing. It's a cult, they're heavy handed. They're not accountable. You know, I've been mistreated. This is spiritual abuse. I demand the finances. I demand all the accounting. We need a lot of information. We need to walk in the light and hold these people accountable. This happens at some point in every church. Well, eventually this couple refused to leave the church and eventually this little church, it died. And then she went online as a victim and said, see, I was a prophet, I was telling the truth. My visions were true, my dreams were true. My interpretation of the Bible was true. My leadership was true. If they just would have submitted to me and listened to me, I could have saved our church. And she presented herself as a victim when she was just a witch. And uh, to this day, I don't just know this woman, I know thousands of this woman apostate, rebellious, independent, can't find any church that is biblical, mental health issues, sexual confusion, transgender ideation, or at least approval, self-righteousness, profound deep religiousness, hatred toward any man who would say no or teach the Bible. That's the Jezebel spirit. The Jezebel spirit is rebuked in the days of Elijah and in the New Testament book of Revelation, chapter two, Jesus says, you tolerate that woman, Jezebel. She says she's a prophetess and a teacher. She leads people astray and she seduces them sexually. Jezebel loves to take control of the home and the church, the home and the church. I'm gonna talk about the Jezebel spirit, the Ahab spirit, and also the Elijah spirit. And the Bible doesn't just tell us what happened, but what always happens. The problem that we're gonna see in 1 Kings starts back in Genesis. Our first father, Adam, he acted like an Ahab. Satan shows up, there is a demonic attack. And what does he say and do? Nothing, he's passive. He's like, I'm not gonna say or do anything. I'm just gonna stay out of this and see what happens. So what Eve does, she seeks control. Well, if, if, if Adam is not going to lead, I will. So she takes control. She's the boss, she takes the reins. She has the argument with Satan, she gets confused, she sins, she gives some to her husband, he participates, she's the leader, he's the follower. And the truth is, men, hear me in this, 
If you don't lead your family, Satan will. Genesis 3, Adam and Eve and Satan. Who did Eve think was leading the family? She thought she was leading the family. Who was leading the family? Satan. There's two options. You lead your family or Satan will. And he'll lie to your wife and tell her that she's the leader. What happens then is God comes to Eve and he says as part of her curse, she will want to do what with her husband? Rule, control, dominate, be the boss. That's the beginning of the Jezebel and Ahab pattern. Fast forward to 1 Kings 16 through 2 Kings 2. Read it for yourself. That's my exhortation to all of you. They are literal people. Ahab was the king of Israel, demonic generational curse line, according to 1 Kings 16. He marries a Sidonian godless demonic woman named Jezebel. They are literal historical people, but working through them are spiritual forces. For that reason, though we do not have those people at work in our world, their spirits are still very much at work in our world through different people. My thesis is new day, same demons. This pattern of passive men like Ahab and controlling spiritual, seductive, emotional women like Jezebel continues to this very day. I've got it in the free study guide. Pick it up on your way out. Go to realfaith.com. We'll give it to you digitally for free or a gift of any amount. I send out daily devotions five days a week. I wrote a 70 some thousand word book on this and something like 48 hours, just kind of in a, a bit of a focused phase and maybe we'll give that away. But here's the big idea. I do my homework and I love you and I, and I, wanna, I wanna provide good Bible teaching. Some will say, well, there's, there's no evidence in the Bible of a Jezebel and Ahab spirit. And I would say, well, the word Bible also does not appear in the Bible, just so you know. Well, Pastor Mark here saying thanks for joining me for the Real Men podcast. Elijah Buck, it's coming out, super excited. Been working on this for a long time. And uh, this is probably the most controversial, um, culturally relevant, insightful, prophetic, Holy Spirit meets demonic, mind diaper kind of content I've ever prepared. And so I got into a deep dive study and what I was able to do is connect 3,000 years ago with today. And what we're seeing is different people, but the same activities and the same beliefs because working behind the scenes are the same demons. So what we're gonna do in the book, we're not gonna just look at the life of Elijah, we're gonna look through it into our present. We're gonna assume that the Bible is not old, that it's eternal, and because it's timeless, it's always timely. You can find everything at realfaith.com, daily devotions, uh, the sermons, the Real Men Talks, and also the study guide, and now the Elijah full book. It's coming in around 60,000 words, or you can text the word FIRE to 99383. That's again, text the word FIRE to 99383. I'm not getting paid for this. I wrote it. I'm proud of it. I'm giving it away. Any gift you want to give goes into Real Faith Ministry, helps me get Bible teaching out, uh, honestly, I just want to get this message out. I think it's a prophetic word for pathetic days. It says scripture, but the word Bible doesn't appear in the Bible. And what we do see with Ahab, I'll just summarize it briefly, why 
There is an Ahab and Jezebel spirit. Uh, I, I said this in the sermon this weekend. Number one with Ahab, it says that he did more evil at the end of 1 Kings 16 than any king before him. The word evil is also translated in the storyline of Saul as a tormenting demonic spirit. In addition, I showed you in, uh, I think it was in 2 Kings 9, where it says that uh, he sold his soul to the devil. He sold his soul to do evil, like Judas possessed by evil to do evil. Jezebel appears not just in 1 Kings, but as I told you in Revelation chapter two, it's a different woman, but the same spirit shows up through a different woman uh, over a thousand years removed from Jezebel. So what we're talking about is a spirit that lives on. And there are three levels of influence or control with these spirits. Some people are possessed by demonic spirits. Jesus deals with these people during his life. They have extraordinary power, authority, clairvoyance. Um, they're dangerous and or they're very, very uh, convincing and seductive. And so what we see with Jezebel and Ahab, they are possessed by these demonic and evil spirits. What happens when someone is possessed, it's the counterfeit of being filled with the Holy Spirit. Everything God creates, Satan counterfeits. Being demon-possessed is the counterfeit to being spirit-filled. What happens when someone is demon-possessed, where their personality ends and the demon begins is a very blurry line. Their decision-making, their identity, their lifestyle is not purely determined by them. It is some sort of combination of them and that evil force that is at work in and through them. Uh, medically, or I should say clinically, sometimes this will be called multiple personality disorder or dissociative identity disorder. People that have different names and different personalities and different storylines, you're like, what is going on? Well, they have different spirits at work. Jesus encounters one named Legion. That's an entire military fighting unit of demonic soldiers for the kingdom of darkness. Some people are not just possessed, but they're oppressed by demonic spirits. This is the case, for example, with Elijah. Uh, we're gonna hit this coming up at the end of the month. Uh, we're gonna be um, in, uh, I think it's 1 Kings 18, where Elijah is on Mount Carmel and he's against the 850 false prophets of Baal and Asherah, the male and female demon gods in Israel. And uh, I think that week, I think Sean Foyt's gonna come lead worship for us. It's coming together to be a little bit of a fun time. And what happens in the next chapter in 1 Kings 19 is that uh, Jezebel puts out a death sentence on Elijah after he sees fire come down from heaven. And he is overwhelmed and anxious to the degree that he runs a hundred miles away. The prophet of God who's just seen fire come down from heaven he goes into the wilderness alone, he lays down and he basically says, I just want to die. I just want to die. He is oppressed by this demonic Jezebel and Ahab spirit to the degree where he is exhausted, he is overwhelmed. He, to use the clinical term, he is dysregulated. He ain't himself and he's not doing good. There are gonna be times that even if you are like Elijah and you love and serve the Lord, you will feel this demonic oppression on you. And, uh, and this demonic oppression will exhaust you, it will confuse you, it will disorient you, it will cause you to give in to a spirit of fear, and it'll cause you to make bad decisions. 
He recovers from it. God finds him, God speaks to him, God gives him 40 days of recovery. In addition, there is not just possession and oppression, there is uh, personalities and tendencies. And, and some people don't have the Ahab spirit, but they're just very passive shy people. So they have personality and tendency. Other people don't have the Jezebel spirit, but they're just high control people. And it's being aware of that. Um, sometimes this can be because you grew up in a dysfunctional and broken family system. If you grew up in a home where, you know, it was a lot of permissiveness and it caused you brokenness or trauma, you could be a person that only feels safe when you're in control. If you're a person that was always controlled, you may be a person who becomes too passive and allows things to happen because you don't wanna be controlling of others. Sometimes this can be the result of bad teaching in church. There's sort of this stupid lie that's gone out. There's many, but one is, that, uh, that to be a Christian is just to always be a nice person and not to cause any trouble, right? There's a time when um, Elijah is face-to-face with Ahab and Ahab looks at him and he says, well, you're, you're the troubler, you're causing all the trouble. The answer is, yeah, that's my ministry. We need some men who cause, you know, that the Lord would call to a ministry of sanctified troublemaking. Sometimes it's good to get in trouble with the wrong people for the right reasons. Okay? And so what we see is that ultimately um, there are going to be times when, when you're going to be oppressed. If you do love the Lord, you'll be dealing with people who are possessed and sometimes you'll manifest tendencies, tendencies, personalities. A couple of things I'll say before we jump in. A man or a woman can have the Ahab or Jezebel spirit. Spirits are not engendered. They can appear male or female. A man can have the Jezebel spirit. He can be domineering, overbearing, high controlling, and also very sexually unhealthy and very religious. I've met guys like that. Some of the most difficult guys I've ever dealt with in ministry were head on collisions with those guys. Similarly, a woman can have an Ahab spirit. She can have a wrong understanding that honoring and respecting the leadership of her husband means that she's not allowed to have an independent thought, that she's never allowed to disagree or have her own voice. And so she becomes wrongly passive. In my experience, however, having had a head-on collision with these spirits for a long time, most of the time in my experience, it's the man who has the Ahab spirit and it's the woman who has the Jezebel spirit. The man is passive and the woman is controlling. Either can be true, but in my experience, that is most often true. In addition, an Ahab and a Jezebel spirit, they feed off of one another. And so let's just use the example in marriage since we're dealing with the marriage of Jezebel and Ahab. Ahab was passive, that allowed her to be controlling. His passivity opens up her domineering, overbearing, controlling tendencies. They feed off of one another and they use one another. I'll say this as well. It is less likely that someone will overcome a Jezebel spirit than an Ahab spirit. Here's why. The Jezebel spirit is about, what did I tell you? Control. And the key to being free of the Jezebel spirit is to have God be in control, not you. 
And if you are the person who does not give up control, you can't be healthy and you can't be holy because the only way to be holy and the only way to be healthy, and I would add to be happy, is to be under the ruling authority of Jesus Christ and the sovereign rule of God in control over your life. And if you're a person who says, I have to be in control, you can't be a Christian. You at least can't be a healthy Christian. And so it is more likely that someone with the Ahab spirit would overcome that and be delivered than someone who has the Jezebel spirit of control. That being said, let me unpack these a bit in succession. Let me deal first with the Ahab spirit. An Ahab spirit is marked by passivity, cowardice, indifference, hesitancy, insecurity. An Ahab spirit, and I'll get into these in more detail. Next week, I've got 28 signs of an Ahab spirit. Then I've got 29 signs of a Jezebel spirit. And then at the end, how to deal with these spirits in talk number four. But an Ahab spirit avoids conflict. They do not like conflict. They also avoid disagreement and confrontation. They don't like to confront others and they don't like others to confront them. They will avoid at all costs confrontation. They are passive. In addition, they tend to be very insecure. They need to be needed, they like to be liked. They oftentimes struggle with what Proverbs 29, 25 calls, quote unquote, the fear of man. Fear of man is, do you like me? Do you approve of me? Are you going to punish me? Are you going to reject me? Are you gonna correct me? Are you gonna expose me? You're very concerned, not about the Lord, but them and not his decision, but their opinion. This is, leads to people pleasing and cowardice and fear of man. Sometimes this can include a shy personality. Someone with a shy personality is more prone to an Ahab tendency. Someone who is more loud, confident, aggressive, more susceptible to Jezebel tendencies. Some of you are just more quiet. You're like, I just don't like to say a lot. I don't raise my voice. I don't like to get in arguments and fights. Some of you are like, I think slow. And so usually the argument is way down the road before I've even figured out what I'm gonna say. Okay. In addition, if you have unhealed trauma or hurt, that Ahab spirit causes you to be sort of a, a broken person who's not strong enough for the conflict. The way this leads you, the way this leaves you vulnerable to the Jezebel spirit, Ahab spirit, passive, Jezebel spirit, controlling and domineering. If you don't say something, she will. If you don't do something, she will. If you don't act, she will. The Jezebel spirit is about control. The, there's only one thing that makes the Jezebel spirit happy. It ain't health, wealth, success, it's control. That's why people love their life, even when it's a disaster, because they're in charge. These are the people that have to be in charge. They have to be in control. They are gonna give you serious grief if you don't ask their permission or if you disagree with them or if you make a decision without consulting them. These people are prone to being very emotional. And if it's a woman, doubly so. Some women, so you single guys, pay careful attention. Let me just put the dad hat on. 
Sometimes women will manipulate through seduction. Flirt, sex, I'll take care of you, you let me do whatever I want. Older men, is that true or false? It's true. Some women, they control through seduction, others through emotion. They're gonna freak out, they're gonna cry, they're gonna throw a fit, it's gonna be a lot of drama, there's gonna be tears, and as men, that makes us uncomfortable, true or false? True. So what a man does, he's like, you just tell me what you want, and I'll say yes if you stop being so emotional. Okay, let me say this too. Um, my wife is also teaching this, so bring your wife, okay? You Ahabs are like, uh, somebody needs to say it. Grace will, she's Elijah. I'm just telling you how that's gonna roll. Um, but what happens is this, they find different ways to be in control. They control the environment, they control the conversation, they control the budget, they control the church, they control the emotion, they control the bedroom, they're the boss. They're the boss. When Jezebel was married, she was young, beautiful, sensual, and evil, but she was something. Her father was, as we studied this weekend, a Sidonian king. Uh, he's a high priest of Asherah, a demonic uh, female deity of fertility and sensuality. This is generational curses of evil in the family. Her father's name, Ethbaal, means literally with Baal, with Baal. So he worships Baal, demonic false god, Astra, demonic false god, purported to be male and female, and they had sexual relations, and they encouraged total sexual anarchy. Uh, the Holy Spirit reminds me, when Jesus rebukes those who are tolerating the Jezebel spirit in Revelation, he says that they, they are allowing her to seduce them to sexual immorality. Hear me in this, man, that word in the original Greek, I'm just reminded of this, is the same root word that we get pornography from, it's porneia. The Jezebel spirit runs the porn industry. The Jezebel spirit knows that if you can't control a man through domination, you can through seduction. And then you get him into a position of addiction. And as soon as he is addicted to pornography or sexuality, then you are in control. The Jezebel spirit will use anyone or anything for control. Jezebel's name literally means without husband or unhusbanded. And her name also means uh, with Baal. So she's fiercely independent, very strong will. And her devotion is not to her husband, but to her demon. Hear me in this, the Jezebel spirit is oftentimes very religious, profoundly religious. This is why you see Jesus rebuking the Jezebel spirit at a church called Thyatira in Revelation 2. And a lot of times people are like, why are some of the worst women in church? Because Jezebel goes to church. She wants to get on the board. She wants to attack the pastor. She wants to get as close to the leadership as she can. She wants to control the finances and communication. Jezebel loves being in control. What better place to be in control than to try and control the church that belongs to Jesus Christ? Jesus is the one who rules the church and Jezebel thinks that she could do a better job. 
So the Jezebel spirit is profoundly religious. Every gal who quotes a verse isn't necessarily filled with the Holy Spirit. Every gal who has ministry experience was not necessarily serving the kingdom of God. Every gal who feels like the Lord has called her to come alongside and lift a burden and help the minister uh, sometimes is not sent by God, but the enemy of God. Very profoundly, deeply religious, if not spiritual. The Jezebel spirit is fiercely independent, manipulative, controlling, and very unrepentant. If you confront the Jezebel spirit, they will fight back. And if they feel like they're losing, they will change the conversation to where they are a victim and you have abused them. And they're very hurt and very emotional. And what the Jezebel spirit knows is if it's a woman who then is declaring war on a man, it puts the man in a lose-lose position. Because if she attacks him and he fights back, see, he's mean, he's domineering, he's overbearing, he's a bully, me too. And if he just takes it and tolerates it, she'll control and dominate. It's, it's spiritual warfare. And in our culture, the Jezebel spirit knows that a man versus a woman, the man is guilty until proven innocent and the woman is innocent until proven guilty. And she'll use that to her advantage. And if she doesn't get the outcome she wants, she'll go on the internet because all the Jezebels are on the internet and then create some sort of coalition and together now you have the equivalent of a demonic legion. Now, within this, um, the way that a Jezebel spirit works, domineering, controlling, threatening, overbearing, emotional, seductive, punishment and reward. There's only one thing that the Jezebel spirit needs to dominate, control, and win, and that is tolerance. Jesus rebukes the church in Revelation chapter two. He says, you tolerate. And see, this is the problem of the Ahab spirit. The Ahab spirit is passive, so it tolerates. That allows the Jezebel spirit to dominate. So here's what you get, tolerate, dominate. That's the cycle. All you've got to do, say nothing. All you got to do is do nothing. All you've got to do is just not engage. And here's why. You don't want to engage because that will enrage. I feel like I should go from preaching to meddling here. Some of you, you're like, I, look, man, don't cross mom. Hey, dad, what do you think? Don't ask your mom. She's the boss. Why don't you talk to your wife about that? Oh, no, man, I, no, I don't, no, 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 no. Well, maybe I'll, maybe I'll, you know, try a little bit, but, you know, I can't just say, hey, this is a problem. Because if I engage, she will enrage. And I'm scared of her. Or I'm scared of what she'll do. Or I'm scared of what she'll say or I'm scared that she's gonna gut me for half my money and take my kids. That's spiritual warfare. Let me talk a little bit about alliances and soul ties, and these work together. Um, what you have with the Jezebel and Ahab spirits is a codependent relationship. 
they stick together because they need one another because they feed one another in the worst possible way. The American Psychological Association defines a codependent relationship as this, the state of being mutually reliant, end quote, and quote, a dysfunctional relationship pattern in which an individual is psychologically dependent on or controlled by a person who has a pathological condition. Ahab needs to be needed. He wants somebody to take care of him. He wants somebody to sleep with him. He wants somebody to make the decisions for him. Jezebel needs somebody that she can control and dominate and rule over and use and abuse. So she takes care of him and he abdicates his authority to her. Their relationship as you watch it, um, just verbal process for a moment, but like when you watch it, there's this guy in the, there's a guy that comes in the story, his name is Naboth. He's got a piece of land. And um, Ahab the king, he's got tons of land. He doesn't need land. And there's this one little plot of land. He's like, I want that too. Cause he's, he's an impetulant, selfish, childish imp of, an, of a man. And so he goes and he tries to negotiate the deal and Naboth is like, no, this is my family's land. We've had it for generations. I'm not gonna sell it to you. So what happens is Ahab goes home, lays in bed, faces the wall and throws a fit, sucking his thumb like a baby boy. And then Jezebel comes in, rubs his back. What's wrong, honey? Naboth won't sell me the land. He won't sell me. I wanted the land. I just need the land. She says, that's okay. I'll kill him and get you the land. She murders Naboth, takes the land. Their relationship, and some of you hear me in this, their relationship is like a sick mother and a dependent son. They don't have what looks like a marriage. She's like a demonic mom and he is like a complete childish son. They have this unhealthy codependent relationship. He's too much of a coward to make decisions and lead and she wants to dominate and control. So they have this codependent relationship. It's the demonic counterfeit of unity, by the way. They have um, community, but they don't have spirit-filled, life-giving, healthy community. They are together. They're together like drug cartels and biker gangs. They are together. And they have an unholy alliance and there are holy and unholy alliances in the Bible. Unholy alliances would include Sanballat and Tobiah that attacked Nehemiah. We looked at that when we studied that book of the Bible. James and Jambres who attacked Moses. Hymenaeus and Alexander who attacked Paul. And in the storyline of Elijah, what's the unholy alliance up against Elijah? Say Ahab and Jezebel. That's an unholy alliance. Some people come together like two barrels on a gun to multiply their evil. In addition, there are holy alliances in the Bible. In the days of Nehemiah, Ezra and Nehemiah, they're a holy alliance. In the days of Moses, Moses and Joshua, they're a holy alliance. In the days of Paul, Paul and Timothy are a holy alliance. And in the days of Elijah, Elijah and Elisha are a holy alliance. The goal is not to just have relationships and community, but to have healthy, life-giving, God-glorifying relationships and community. 
in the days of Jesus, he had a holy alliance with his disciples. And then Judas had an unholy alliance with the religious and political leaders. So when you go to the crucifixion of Jesus, suffering and dying in our place for our sins, it's literally a holy alliance versus an unholy alliance. It's Satan working through Judas with the unholy alliance of political and religious leaders against Jesus filled with the Holy Spirit surrounded by his disciples. In addition, there are something called soul ties. And I know a lot of my non-charismatic friends will argue all of these points and they're wrong. And, and, and what happens is if you don't believe in the Holy Spirit, you don't really believe in the demonic spirits either. And if you don't fully consider the Holy Spirit, you don't fully consider the unholy spirits. And so we believe what the Bible says, and that is that our war is not against flesh and blood, but powers, principalities, and spirits. And hear me in this, and let me just speak with a father's heart of compassion. When we see someone who is gripped, whether it's possessed, oppressed, or just personality traitor type of, like Ahab or Jezebel, we don't hate those people, we love them. And we agree with the words of the Lord Jesus, who said that he came to set captives free, that the God of this world has blinded people's eyes and he has taken them like captives in war. And these are people that are now under the oppression and possession of a kingdom of darkness. And they are not only doing harm, they're doing harm to themselves. So we don't hate anybody, we love everybody. But we do hate those spirits that harm and damage and attack people that God loves and Jesus died for. And so when it comes to soul ties, soul ties are a bond between two individuals. Their soul, mind, will, emotions are knit or joined together and you can have a soul tie for good or evil. You can tell you've got a soul tie when one person follows another. In marriage, the wife should follow the husband's leadership, not behind him, but alongside of him. In an unholy marriage, the wife is out front domineering and overbearing. That's a feminist marriage. In an unhealthy, unholy, chauvinistic marriage, the husband is domineering and overbearing. In a healthy marriage where there is a healthy soul tie, the husband and wife are together, but the husband is the head. In addition, what you see when there is a soul tie, one person fulfills the desires of another. Again, in a healthy marriage, this can be very, very good. Like I, was, I got home late last night from a trip. I've been on the road. I'm out recording Good Friday for online tomorrow. It's a very, very busy week. My wife, Grace, came up today, held my hand, pray for me in my office. And she said, you got a lot going on this week. She said, uh, how can I be a good friend? How can I help? What do you need from me? That's, that's my girl. See, what you see with Ahab and Jezebel, um, she fulfills his desires and he fulfills her desires, but their desires are always evil. So he gets what she wants, she gets what she wants, he gets what he wants, God never gets what he wants. What happens in a soul tie, people will surrender or share goods. Again, in a good marriage, like you give to your wife, your wife gives to you, you share everything. In, a, in an unhealthy, unholy soul tie, the one person wins and the other loses. See, Ahab thinks that he's winning because he married this hot, beautiful, seductive, competent, courageous, business-minded woman, and he's gonna join two kingdoms together. And in his mind, he is now ruling over two kingdoms. Is he? No. 
She just invaded his kingdom through his bedroom. And now she is ruling and reigning over two kingdoms. In addition, when there is a soul tie, when someone you are attached to is opposed or attacked, you defend them. In a healthy marriage, that's a good thing. With Jezebel and Ahab, they support and defend one another when they shouldn't because they're wrong. Let me tell you this, men. Your goal is not to defend your wife. Your wife's goal is not to defend you. You and your wife's goal is to defend the Lord. A lot of times, this is where it just comes to mind. You tell me if it's the spirit. Your wife is like, I'm your wife, you need to take my side. The answer is, I need to take the side of truth and righteousness. I tell this to my kids all the time. I'm not for or against you. I'm for the Lord and I would like you to be on that side of the line. If there is a line and that's wrong and this is right and somebody you love is on that side of the line, you can't cross that line to align with them. You need to invite them to repent, to cross the line and to join you on the side of that which is true and right. And this is what happens in marriage. Now, I didn't think of it until right now, but what happens with Ahab and Jezebel, they are committed to each other, not to the Lord. And so they always defend one another and they always offend the Lord. I am not for or against people. I'm for or against truth and righteousness. And if you are against truth and righteousness, I love you, but I can't be for you and I can't side with you because if I did, I would be declaring war on God. I want you guys to think not in terms of who am I loyal to, but am I loyal to him? In addition, I'll just jump into this. Uh, let me just summarize this. Um, in the storyline of Elijah, holy alliance, healthy soul tie would be Elijah and Elisha. They align together, they are connected, and they are both filled with the Spirit and for the Lord. Unholy alliance, unholy soul tie, Jezebel and Ahab. The reason that we're here, men, you're looking for your Elijah or you're looking for your Elisha. You're looking for the guy who is filled with the spirit and does love the Lord and the two of you, you can walk together. The Holy Spirit wants to introduce you to men like Elijah and Elisha. Demonic spirits also do a lot of introducing. Some years ago, one of my pastors, he asked me this question. He asked, have you ever noticed that two people who are just evil and never met, they always find each other. You notice that? Have you ever noticed that like all the Ahabs find each other? And you're like, how do you do that? You guys are all passive, who organized this? <laughs> you're like, like, who took the initiative to put you together as a group? You guys don't do anything, you're, you're passive. You ever notice that the Jezebels, they find each other. Some of you, you married a girl because she was crazy in bed and then you realize she's just crazy. Right? You're like, I don't like crazy at Costco. No one does. <laughs> Have you noticed that the crazy finds crazy? That evil finds evil? That just men hating 
broken, traumatized, weaponized women, they always find it. You could be in a very large church and there's three of them. And they all have to go to the bathroom at the same time and they end up next to each other. Or they end up at the same women's ministry sharing prayer requests about their husbands. I'll tell you, a lot of evil happens in women's ministry. That's why Grace runs it. She's an Elijah. Have you ever wondered how do people that have never met, but they're like the same spirit, how do they meet? Well, the people don't know each other, but the demons do, and the demons make the introductions. If the Ahab spirit is working through 10 men, they can introduce them. Hey, you guys can Ahab together. If the demonic spirit is working through the Jeze 10 Jezebels, like, well, you 10 Jezebels, we get you together, you'd be quite a coven or home Bible study, call it what you want. <laughs> call it what you want. And the Holy Spirit also introduces people. You Elijahs need each other. You Elishas, the younger guys were pulling up. You need each other and we need each other. So let me end with this, I'm over. Um, if you're honest with yourself, don't raise your hand and don't make any noise. I'm gonna give you three options. Would your tendency be, I'm more like Jezebel. Controlling, domineering, bossy, pushy, need to be in the know, need to make sure everybody knows what I want. And if I don't get my way, well, then there's gonna be hell to pay. And also, are you sexually unhealthy or perverted? That's Jezebel. Would your tendency or proclivity be, I'm more like Ahab. I would rather run from a fight than into a fight. If I know that my wife is upset, I, I'm not gonna walk into that room. I'm just gonna let the kids take it. I'm not gonna get in the middle. If there's an issue at work, I'm just gonna keep my head down and try not draw any attention to myself. If my daughter is dating a guy that's not a very good guy, I'm just gonna hope it works out, maybe pray, but like, I, I don't know what to say or do, so I just won't say or do anything. Or are you more like Elijah? I don't look for the fight, but I'll have it. I don't have to be the guy who says it, but if nobody does, I'm gonna say it. Um, I'm not always looking for trouble, but if trouble comes, I will get in front of it. The key is that most men are either Jezebel or Elijah, or excuse me, Jezebel or Ahab, and their wife is the other. If you are the Jezebel and your wife is an Ahab, you're abusing her. If you are an Ahab and your wife is a Jezebel, she's abusing you. And sometimes you take turns. And the key out of it all is the spirit of Elijah. I'll close with this. Uh, sometime later, and this is the end of the Old Testament. God says, behold, I will send you Elijah, Elijah, the prophet. That means the one who tells the truth. Before that great and awesome day of the Lord comes, then he will turn the hearts of the, the fathers to the children and the hearts of the children to the fathers, lest I come and strike the land 
with a decree of utter destruction. Here's what he's saying. I just feel inclined to say this. A nation is doomed. A culture is doomed. A family is doomed. A church is doomed. A ministry is doomed. A legacy is doomed, unless there's an Elijah. And when an Elijah shows up, they speak the word of God and it changes the heart of men. And it gives them the father's heart. And it gives them a heart to father their own children. And it gives their children a heart to love and follow the active, healthy leadership of their father. And what he says is, unless the Elijah spirit is present, you have men who hate children and children with father wounds who hate men. That's America. All of our problems are two things. People aren't connected to the father, they're not connected to their father. Those are the two problems. The answer is that Elijah helps connect the fathers to the father, and then the children can connect to their fathers and to the heavenly father. And the spirit of Elijah is at work in Elijah. It then gets transferred in double portion to Elijah. It is promised here that the Elijah spirit, the father heart of God spirit, would then come in John the baptizer to prepare the way for the coming of the Lord Jesus, who also has the Elijah spirit. To such a degree, he asks, who do people think that I am? And he, they say, some think you're Elijah. The Holy Spirit's in Elijah. The Holy Spirit's in Elisha. The Holy Spirit's in John the baptizer. The Holy Spirit is in Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit is in you. The Holy Spirit is in you if you belong to Jesus. The same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives in you. Greater is he who is in you than he who is at work in this world through the Jezebels and Ahabs. You do not have a spirit of fear. You have a spirit of sonship. You have a spirit of fatherhood and you have a spirit of faith. You men are here to surrender to the Holy Spirit, to be active in your home and in your church and in your business and in your community. I am telling you this, this world is run by Ahabs and Jezebels and we're here to learn how to be Elijah's. Father God, thank you for an opportunity to teach and God, as we go to a time of testimony and table talk, God, I pray that this would capture the hearts of the men. God, our world is ruled by Ahabs and Jezebels. And Lord, it is destroying generations and breaking children. And Father, our heart is that we would build men up to bless women and children. God, I pray for the men who are Ahabs, that they would activate, not in a domineering or overbearing way, but in an assertive and, and God glorifying way. I pray that they would open their mouth when they need to speak, that they would act when they need to act and that they would stop their sin of omission. God, for those who are more Jezebel, controlling, domineering, overbearing, 
God, I pray that they would repent and submit to your authority, come under your sovereignty, not be in control, but be controlled by the Holy Spirit. And Jesus, thank you that you came into a world filled with Jezebels and Ahabs. You weren't passive like Ahab and you weren't evil like Jezebel. Lord Jesus, please send us the Holy Spirit, the spirit of Elijah, the spirit of Elisha, the spirit of John the baptizer and Jesus, your spirit, to allow us and enable us and empower us to be like Elijah, to speak like Elijah, to lead like Elijah, to endure like Elijah, to love like Elijah, to activate like Elijah, in Jesus' name. Love you guys, thanks for letting me teach. Pastor Mark here saying thanks for joining me for this special series of talks at Real Men. Uh, if there's anything we can be praying for, any questions you have, send it to hello at realfaith.com. And if you've got a complaint because you're triggered and offended, please send that as well to hello at realfaith.com. We have got a team standing by to delete your comment immediately.